Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode 66. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday. Steelers Nation just over 24 hours away from kickoff on Saturday between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Cincinnati Bengals. A true must-win game for the Pittsburgh Steelers as their playoff hopes are certainly looking bleak right now, starting Mason Rudolph at quarterback to try to guide them through on this Christmas weekend. Dave, how you doing? Let's see what you try to do there with the whole guide. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, so played out though. Yeah. It's like the 87th person to make that joke today. Yeah. Uh, you, you trying to run that like you're trying to run Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Well, yeah. it is. Very no, clearly. <laughs> no, surely it's not. All right. Uh, happy holidays, uh, Alex. And uh, excited to get into kind of talking about the upcoming Bengals. I, I think we both agree that, uh, there are no expectations. <laughs> we just sit back and watch, keep our mouths shut, uh, uh, and, and, and watch. But uh, we have a full preview. We've got Jay Morrison uh, back on from Pro Football Network to talk to us later on in the show, and we've had a uh, you know uh, obviously a few transactions to recap, and we can talk about the injury report here, whatever way you want to go. Uh, let's get after it. Yeah, let's do it. And a little bit later, we'll talk about the number one story in sports right now that's been talked about a lot, but it's really important. Will the Detroit Pistons ever win a game? 26 straight losses. You following that losing streak up there? No, I haven't. I haven't had time uh, to do that. I've been too busy fighting off these porn bots on uh, Twitter, <laughs> okay. uh, Twitter X and all like that. But uh, no, I haven't been paying attention. I, all I know is I think that midseason tournament went pretty good uh, overall. Mm-hmm. It was received pretty well. I don't know if you ca- uh, caught up uh, uh, any of those games there, but uh, it'd be interesting to see uh, if, if at some point Las Vegas out here gets an NBA team. You think they would? It's probably a good location for it. So we'll see what they decide in the future. But Dave, let's bring it back to Pittsburgh and let's start with some of the the roster moves made yesterday. And it's going to be probably a busy day Friday for elevations and signings. And so there'll be a lot to talk about recapping things come Monday. But uh, as of yesterday, the team making a roster move of releasing, waving running back Anthony McFarlane Jr. He may return on the practice squad. This is likely to open up space for somebody like an Elijah Riley to be Uh, activated off of IR, but the number four running back inactive for the last several weeks, unable to get a hat. McFarlane uh, officially released. We'll see what his future is in Pittsburgh, but clearly he's on the roster fringes of Pittsburgh and the NFL right now. Yeah, uh, it's going to be an interesting Friday. I don't know if that gets done before we get off of this thing, but uh, we are expecting uh, a a flurry of transactions before 4 p.m. Eastern time here. And, you know, as part of the kind of the the, the roster news there, uh, we finally got the update on DeMonte Casey and his appeal uh, that – I, I guess you could kind of take it as a slight win in his favor. He's still going to miss the uh, final three regular season games. But should somehow the Pittsburgh Steelers get in the playoffs, uh, DeMonte Casey can be reinstated at that point. Playoffs, 
you're talking about playoffs. <laughs> Can't even win a game. But uh, uh, that's the news there. So one of the transactions today uh, should be DeMonte Casey going to the reserve suspended list. And thus, uh, uh, with, with that move forthcoming, there's two roster spots to fill on the 53-man roster. It's going to be probably some combination of uh, either Miles Jack or and or Eric Rowe going to the 53 or only one of those guys getting elevated and the other guy going to the 53. And then Elijah Riley, he had his uh, window opened up uh, earlier this week. It would make sense that he goes back to the 53 as one of those moves there. I guess the only question uh, then at that point, we both of us expect all three of those guys, Miles Jack, Eric Rowe, and Elijah Riley uh, to be part of the active inactive roster by the end of the day, right? I'm almost certain on Rowe and Riley, a little less so on Jack, but likely that he will be elevated as well. Right. The only other question is, will... Where the will there be another elevation? Maybe you know. In other words, uh, uh, to to get them up to, I guess what would what, what would that put them a fifty five man active inactive roster? I have a feeling it's going to be more like fifty four, which would leave the team to have six, I think, inactive uh, players, right? Uh, mm -hmm. at, at that point, but uh, need, needless to say, I, I the big question, I guess, becomes if Miles Jack ends up either on the 53 or, or an elevation, he obviously would get a helmet. Uh, right. You would think, uh, would that put a guy like Blake Martinez on the inactive uh, list again? The way I kind of view it right now, rolling through kind of a predicted inactive list would be uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, Trenton Thompson, Dylan Cook. Uh, who else did I have on there? Maybe Blake Martinez. And then who was the other? Oh, Dylan Cook, right? Or did no, I you mentioned you uh, mentioned Cook already? Uh, there would have to be one other one on there. Uh, uh, D Lyman, I guess Liao. Oh or yeah, Loudermilk. either right, either Liao or Loudermilk there, because you would think that Darius Rush would would get a helmet this week, uh, with all that's happened in the secondary and all, right? Potentially, I think this thing could go a bunch of different ways inside linebacker at safety, uh, just to kind of bounce off of that from the injury standpoint, three players ruled out. That's Trenton Thompson with the next stinger. I mean, if it's Patrick with his knee, that was known by Monday and Kenny Pickett with the ankle. So again, Mason Rudolph officially getting the start for the Steelers. Now Mitch Trubisky will be the backup. But yeah, you're talking about, you know, a lot of change there, you know, at inside linebacker potentially because of the play and the struggles that group has had and then the injuries heavily impacting you're out you're without your top three safeties and Minka and Casey and Thompson so you're probably starting Eric Rowe and Riley maybe I mean I'm not even sure where this thing's going to go in terms of starting guys you, of course Patrick Peterson could get some work there I really don't know how that safety rotation will look it's probably going to be multiple people trying to fill those roles. Yeah, I think we talked about that the other day. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't expect, even if Patrick Peterson logs more time at, 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 at safety, you wouldn't expect 60 snaps of that, would you? No, I wouldn't necessarily. Probably some more dime stuff. Um, but God, if somebody else goes down mid-game, just, just mm -hmm. wait for that to happen again. Peterson may have to, like last week. So the, the, you're stronger at corner on outside corner with Wallace and Porter. That kind of gives you some more flexibility to do something with Peterson. 
again, I'm not really sure what their their plan is, but they're going to have to figure this thing out. Yeah, you're going to be busy in the charting department, I think. <laughs> yeah, the, the best news, frankly, is that Jamar Chase is out. I mean, for the Cincinnati, I mean, to not have to worry about covering him and Higgins is the best thing you could say about the beat up Pittsburgh Steelers secondary right now. And you would expect Joey Porter to follow Higgins around. Yeah, they're going to probably bracket, roll coverage, and certainly I would expect Porter to follow 85 all game long. All right, and you hit all the injuries there with the three players out, so now we just sit and wait for the uh, uh, the roster moves here before 4 o'clock. And Cam Hayward officially clearing concussion protocol. He will play Isaac Say Malu did not practice on Thursday but has no game status, and so he might be one of those, those surgery guys after the mm-hmm. season ends, if I had to guess. He's been toughing this thing out, but uh, everyone else there, Good to go. And for the Bengals, as mentioned, Jamar Chase, their only big absence, but it's a huge one with that shoulder injury suffered in last Saturday's win over the Minnesota Vikings. Dave, um, where to from here? We have the injury set up. We have the roster moves. Is there any other minutia that I'm missing to talk about before this game kicks off? Uh, Mike Tomlin met the media uh, in the middle of the week, which is uncommon for him. And it wasn't it wasn't a huge surprise especially his uh what he talked about yeah it was not talking about our extended warranty or anything like <laughs> that it was about george pickens a little bit of kenny pickett as well um tomlin i i thought he was candid with his thoughts on george pickens others seem to disagree that i got feedback on twitter from but i thought he was pretty candid and had some critique and essentially said that pickens is not handling the media well, um, but also offered some support and said he's a talented guy, did confirm he is going to play against the Bengals and said he's a guy that can help us win. And so he will be out there. I'm a little tired of the picking story at this point. I know it's because, you know, it's a huge story. It's national media driven right now. I, I don't know what else there really is to be said about it that has not already been said about it. But what are your interpretations, your your thoughts on Mike Tomlin's comments? You know, I kind of focused in on on Tomlin saying how committed they are to his development. You know, uh, I don't know how much lip, you know, what else are you, I, it's not like he's going to come out and say, we're not committed to him, but, uh, I think Mike Tomlin takes this as a challenge. I, more than anything, I think we know that that pebble has caused a blister in the shoe. Now, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's, it's not just a pebble anymore, but my kind of takeaway was, and we'll obviously find out during the off season and all like that, it feels like they are committed to trying to get him, uh, through this, obviously through the light. I mean, he's not going anywhere right, right now, uh, through these final, final, you know, in, end of the season games here. And they couldn't make him inactive if they wanted to, to be honest with you. I know a lot of people listening are saying, you know, where is the discipline here? But, you know, how much do you, I, there's a whole team concept and, and responsibility to trying to win the game as well. And they're a better team most of the time, except for one (laughs) couple of running plays when he's out there, as opposed to him not being out there. I'm look, George Pickens has caught it from every different angle. Uh, this week, right? All the talk mm-hmm. shows, the local shows, the local media, uh, you name it. Uh, he's been the target of conversation. You know, he hears that stuff. Uh, I'm sure Mike Tomlin's talked to him again, uh, the, you know, this past week here. Now it's time to, uh, look, you can question a lot of things about a player, right? You can question technique. Uh, you can uh, question how he's being used. 
what one thing that you should not have to question during a game is effort. And this, this really is a big picture thing this week when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers anyway, because I, we, we both agree we have no expectations this week as far as an outcome. I think overall, you're, you're, you're starting your third string quarterback. This is a game that coming off of uh, three games that you thought they would have won at least two of them uh, here. They didn't. This is a down and out situation with this organization. The thing when we get to whatever the outcome is of this game on Saturday when we roll back through the TV tape and we roll back through the all 22, the one thing that we better not be able to point our finger at is effort from any, any player and George, George Pickens specifically. Sure. Uh, Yeah. Again, I don't have really any new thoughts on Pickens. I'm not going to sit here and criticize him today. I did that Wednesday. There's not much new. What what I would say about Tomlin, just to kind of put on the other hat, it's easy and it's justified to criticize Pickens for his, his actions or inactions, his lack of effort and uh, the, the words he chose to use with the media. But I can appreciate Tomlin in, in some ways in his commentary supporting Pickens and saying he's a talented guy. We're going to work with him. It's our responsibility to develop him. I think Tomlin really owns that sincerely because, you know, Tomlin does not need to be another person being hypercritical of them. There's a time to, to, to call it out and say it's not acceptable. I imagine those things have happened behind closed doors, but the entire world is criticizing George Pickens right now, understandably so. So someone should be in his corner. Someone has to try to really work with this guy. And Tomlin, as he said in the past in that uh, famous Pivot podcast he did, I think last year, he's all in until he's not. And so they're going to work with Pickens as much as possible and be all in until they decide that they have to be all out. And when that line is, I don't know. But that's going to be the approach there. So uh, as much as he needs to grow up and you know develop and, and mature, someone has to be there to help guide that. And I, I can appreciate Tomlin in, in in some respect defending that and saying we're here for George Pickens and uh, he should feel like somebody is going to help him through this this time. Boy, the best thing that can happen uh, on on Saturday is eight catches, 135 yards, two touchdowns, and sitting somebody on their ass in the running game in a win. A win and, and a win. Yeah. You know, we uh, did a lot of talk, uh, uh, talking about culture and trying to, uh, best kind of, kind of come up with what, uh, p- put your hands on and feel it. And what is culture? And, uh, Bill Cower was on the Pat McAfee show on Thursday, uh, a long, but, uh, entertaining and informative, uh, interview. If, 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 if people listening uh, missed that. You can go see that. Obviously, I think on YouTube, they might even have the the whole Cower interview cut out and up there by now uh, on there. Uh, Cower, I thought, gave a a good, quick description about kind of the George Pickens thing and, and, and culture. And here was this quote. He says, I think it is disappointing to see and hear what George Pickens talks about because culture really is about commitment and sacrifice, and you're not just playing with one another, you're playing for one another. Yeah, I don't disagree. That's what Pittsburgh has been built upon. That's what good teams do, and that's where good cultures come from. And you also want to you know, hopefully have that, that player leadership element of it too. What's the old adage? On bad teams, nobody leads. On good teams, coaches lead players. On great teams, players lead players. But they're missing some of that leadership. I believe Jerome Bettis, you know, spoke about that, that they're missing some of the offensive leadership that, you know, Pittsburgh had years and decades ago. So, 
yeah, there's, there's no question about that. Um, and again, for a team that's trying to fight and scratch and claw and, and playing poorly and struggling to find a victory, you have to be detail-oriented. It becomes more important than ever to do those little things well. So that has to change. And and when you screw up, you have to own it. I mean, if George Pickens had just come out with the media and just said, you know, I own it, I, I made a mistake, I think you can forgive that and, and move on. It happened with Deontay Johnson. You respect him for it. He owned it publicly, privately. We're all good. Let's, let's be better and, and move on. That did not happen. That might be the, the not the most damning part, but that's another element of why this criticism has gotten so hot around George Pickens. All right, uh, moving on past the. I don't. I don't want to sit here and bang. And I know you don't either. And I know the listeners at this point probably tired tired of hearing and reading every post on Steelers Depot be about George Pickens. So where to from here? Let's uh, actually maybe throw it to Jay. You mentioned earlier, uh, Jay Morrison covering the Bengals for Pro Football Network. You can follow him on Twitter, and you should, at by Jay Morrison. We'll uh, take a break and come back with Jay to get his thoughts on Cincinnati. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. It is Friday. It is week 16 of the NFL season. It is Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Cincinnati Bengals on Saturday afternoon. Another Saturday afternoon. This one at Acrisure Stadium in Pittsburgh. The Steelers' final home game of the season. Obviously, the second of two meetings with the Cincinnati Bengals. A game that both these teams really need to have. Uh, and that means back with us uh, had him on a couple of weeks ago uh jay morrison jay is the Bengals beat writer for pro football network uh been covering the Bengals for a long time a lot of different outlets hopefully you heard the show a couple of weeks ago when we had him on with all that jay uh happy friday welcome back to the terrible podcast with dave and alex and happy holidays Hey, thanks for having me back. It does seem like it was just a couple weeks ago, but yet it seems like forever ago because these teams' fortunes completely flipped since the last time we talked. Yeah, and you know, uh, even if you look back at that game, a game that the Steelers you know, were, were fortunate enough to win there, uh, since then, the, the Bengals have been playing you know really good football overall. Jake Browning really has kind of settled in uh, to that offense. Uh, the Bengals obviously coming off of a uh, pretty uh, uh, interesting game, to say the least, against the Minnesota Vikings uh, last Saturday. Let's start uh, uh, at the top here. Uh, I think one of the things we talked about with you, and I know Alex and I talked about, was even when Jake took over for uh, Joe Burrow in that game, I think uh, that Burrow was injured in against the the Ravens. He looked comfortable, uh, didn't look too big uh, for him there. Uh, Obviously, he didn't have the game that he wanted to have against the Steelers, but since then, uh, he's looking more and more comfortable uh, in that offense there. Uh, What are some of the uh just covering them like you cover them what has been sort of the biggest development or 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 things that you've seen with Jake Browning uh since we last talked to you yeah i think it's the more so the people around him and the people in his ear they have they have really leaned in to the running game and the screen game since that oh. pittsburgh game uh, you know that was 16 to 10 as you guys remember the Bengals only ran 42 plays in that game. They only had eight handoffs in that game. Um, they they flipped that completely uh, the following week against Jacksonville on Monday night. Really ran the ball a lot. Finally, finally got rookie fifth-round draft pick Chase Brown involved, and he made some huge plays right off the bat. Um, 
that and that's been a major difference. They they don't typically run the ball well against Pittsburgh anyhow. And it, it was just I don't know if it was more of a stubborn thing or what it was, or if it was just the fact that they kept having so many three and outs. Um, and they just didn't feel like they could afford to to have a, a an inefficient run and then be looking at second 10, second and nine. Uh, whatever the reason, they threw that game plan out the window, and now they – Jake Browning with these screens, and not just to the running backs and the tight ends, but, but uh, we saw it in the Jacksonville game. They threw a lot of just wide receiver screens to Jamar Chase early in the game to get him going, to get him confident, to see completions, kind of like a shooter seeing the ball go through the net – get in the rhythm and he's uh, he's just it's been remarkable what he's been able to do the last 3 weeks. I mean, I think everybody thought he he could play well. Nobody thought we would see this. I mean, we're talking about historic numbers that he's putting up and um that's it's been they haven't reworked the entire offense, but they've leaned into some duff, different areas. They're running the ball better, uh more power and duo and and it's just all clicking, and, and uh, Jake deserves a lot of credit, but I, I think Zach Taylor, the head coach, and Brian Callahan, the offense coordinator, deserve a lot of credit too. And I honestly, I think Zach Taylor should get some Coach of the Year votes this year. I don't think he's going to win it, but managing the Burrow injury and, and keeping the, the team right through that and then really rolling before he gets injured the second time and now doing this with Jake Browning, it really has been remarkable how this offense is – is probably playing as well as it has been at any point this year, even when Burrow was back to full health. You know, uh, Jamar Chase obviously uh, going to miss this game and all, and I think the last time these two teams together, I think it was the other wide receiver, T. Higgins, that uh, that, yeah. that that missed the game due to injury. But based on what they're doing right now, if 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 I, I know you'd much rather have both of these guys, and, and it's hard probably to choose between the two, but is it? Is it almost better this time around for them to have, if you were to pick one to to have to sit, would it would it maybe beat Jamar Chase? Because look, I mean they 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 still have this shorter passing game as you mentioned. They're using the running backs in the screen game. They're using the tight ends. It's a more controlled screen game. But he's still not afraid to throw the football down the field. I mean he missed one down the middle of the field to uh, I think it was uh, who was it Trenton or Charlie Irwin Jones. or Char- Charlie Jones, yeah, yeah uh, in that game. Uh, but uh, a, a couple other uh, throws in that game is I'm sure T Higgins is down there somewhere, uh, and <laughs> and he made he made the catches there. Uh, but long story short, you know, uh, is it almost better that that it's Higgins that he has for this game, maybe in lieu of Jamar Chase, or is it really kind of a, a, a wash there? No, I I don't think it's better because. I mean, they're both fantastic receivers, but what they do, they move Chase around so much, and he's in the slot, he's in the backfield, and he's doing orbit motions. He's doing all these different things that demand the attention of the defense and and affect the way the defense is going to play just based on where they put him and where they move him. They don't do that as much with T. Higgins. He's He might line up in the slot every now and then. He's not going to be in the backfield. He, he's going to be outside, and, and you know what you're going to get. Um so I, I do I think it would be they would be better off if they had Jamar and not T. But that said, um, uh, you can never underestimate the the power of a contract year, and that's what T. Higgins <laughs> is in. And it has not been a good season for him at all. He's had injury, uh, and even when he's been healthy, he hasn't produced. He he finally looked like T. Higgins last week. So I, I think that was a a big deal for him. And you know I. Target wise, yes, he's going to have to pick up the slack. But they, they last week they completed passes to eleven different guys. Nine of them had two or 
two or more catches. So you mentioned it. Jake Browning is he's fearless. He will he will take shots wherever, and he will also the proverbial take what the defense gives you. He's not going to lock in on T. He's going to spread the ball around. And I, I go back to last year. You know that Chase missed four games with a hip injury, and the 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 game coming out of the bye was at Pittsburgh. And Higgins had nine catches for 148 yards. The Bengals scored 37 in that game. It's one shy of their all-time record uh, in Pittsburgh. Um, the, the offense didn't really miss a beat without um, Chase last year at times. So that's what they're going to have to pull off. Maybe they don't need 37 this week the way the Pittsburgh offense is playing. <laughs> but, I mean, they, they, they've they shown they're capable. They they went 3-1 and one last year without Chase, and they put up good numbers. So um, I, I think that's what they're, they're kind of leaning on, that they, they've been here and done this, although – this is the first game they've not had Burrow and Chase both. And that was a hell of an effort by uh, Tiggins at the end of that. Uh, boy, that that catch and that effort for the touchdown, that, that was something for sure. Go ahead, Alex. Jay, one of those guys that has been getting more involved and probably will be more involved with Chase out is tight end Tanner Hudson. Interesting guy. Came out in 2018, finally having his breakout season. What's his story and how is he getting more integrated in, in this offense? Yeah, that's another one where it's like, what took you guys so long? I mean, he looked great in the preseason. They signed Irv Smith in free agency, uh, kind of a prove-it deal, one year, $1.3 million, and he just hasn't been what they had hoped. And it's like, why why not give Tanner Hudson a shot? And they they finally signed him. I think it was week three or week four, and, and he's been terrific. He's been Jake Browning's go-to tight end. He was Joe Burrow's go-to tight end when Burrow was playing. Um not the most athletic guy, but he's got terrific hands. He's got good height. We saw him climb the ladder and, and make a nice leaping catch for a touchdown last week. And it's interesting because, you know, they they typically dress for tight ends. And Drew Sample and Mitch Wilcox are kind of the grunt guys and the blockers. And Drew Sample will line up in the backfield on third down and because he, he's just so much better at pass protection than Joe Mixon is. It, it kind of – they. I'm sure you guys will get to this later, but DJ Reader, their their right. excellent mm-hmm. nose tackle in the middle is out, and they are going to load up on defensive tackles. I don't know that they can dress all four tight ends this week, so you may see Herb Smith be inactive, and that just means they're going to lean even more on Tanner Hudson in this game. I was actually going to take you there, Jay. Defensively, DJ Reader, the yeah. quad injury suffered against Minnesota, out for the season, a huge blow to them. Him and Hill were a great interior duo. How do they replace what Reader offered? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that you can. Um, you just try to stem the tide, and they're they're gonna they're gonna call up Dominic Davis, who looked really good in in the preseason, an undrafted guy. They signed Travis Bell off of waivers from Atlanta, but he just got to Cincinnati yesterday. He's he's not gonna he's not gonna be active this week. Um, they've they've got Josh Tupo, who's been he's one of like the four holdovers from the Marvin teams of 2018. He's just he's an undrafted guy and he's he's been around all these years after being undrafted. Um a pretty anonymous outside of Cincinnati, but he does a solid job in there. And then Jay Tufele is a guy they they claimed off waivers last year at at the cutdown day and he's one of those guys he's inactive most weeks, but when he does play, he comes up with a a wow play or two every game so they're just and then they've got Zach Carter who's ideally more of a three tech but he can play the run in there as well um, so I think they're just going to throw bodies at it they're just going to keep those guys cycling through there try to keep them fresh and it, it this has not been a good run defense all year even with DJ Reader in there and it's primarily been 
the the cutbacks and losing contain and and just other runs out on the edge where the the DBs have not done their jobs. I think we're going to see Pittsburgh just slam it up in there and, and test these defensive tackles and and just really try to play power football. Um, it, it, it makes sense anyhow when Mason Rudolph's your quarterback, but then when you when you got DJ Reader out, it just this this feels like it's going to be an old school December AFC North kind of game. Uh, the last time uh, these two teams got together, the Steelers finally started to get uh, Pat Firemuth involved. Uh, wow. it, it was best game of the season for him: nine catches, 120 yards in 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 that game. Uh, do you think they're gonna the Bengals will be more apt to kind of look for that this time around, especially with uh, look the Steelers don't need to turn the football over when they <laughs> turn the football over. Uh, they're already handicapped on offense as it is, and uh, even though Mason Rudolph can stretch the football down the field, he's going to pick his shots and be a lot more calculated than a guy like Mitch Trubisky was. I expect a lot of underneath stuff, and then maybe to try to get power. Pat Firemuth involved uh, uh, heavily in the game, you know, in the passing game again. Is that kind of what you're thinking uh, the Steelers will will be? Because I agree with you. I think they need to try to slam that ball up in the inside with Jalen Warren and Najee Harris. Just keep trying to pick away at it. Hopefully, not get behind on the scoreboard. And then when they get in more manageable type situations, maybe get P- Pat Firemuth involved. Yeah, because I mean, you guys saw in that first meeting, they got, I think it was the second play. Friarmouth had a big reception and um, it it didn't take, they didn't have to establish the run to set him up. And I I don't think they will have to this week either. But if they do, if they get that run game going, that's really going to stress the Bengals defense. And it's interesting what the Bengals do. A a lot of times on third down, they'll take Dax Hill, their first round pick from a year ago, and move him from safety to kind of a tight end covering specialist. And if you if you remember right, I think more than half of Fryer Moose catches in that first meeting were on first and second down, where they were going to him before they went to that alignment where they've got kind of a tight end specialist covering him. So um, it'll be interesting to see if if that continues and and if if the Bengals try to make Dax Hill just a permanent follower of of Friermuth or, or or how they're going to handle this. I mean, Logan Wilson's terrific in coverage, but um, a lot of times those were it was just zone defense. And Friermuth is pretty savvy. He, he found a, a spot in this a soft spot in the zone every time, and he he really lit him up. And it's kind of it's been a story for years that the Bengals have always struggled against opposing tight ends, um, and, and that was just a continuance of it. And I I don't know if they're going to have an answer for him. They better. I mean, it seems I I know they've got really good wide receivers, but there's some disconnect going on right there. Obviously, as you guys know, with, with the Steeler receivers, I, I mean, I think Fryermuth is the most dangerous weapon, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Bengals try to combat that. Uh, talk a little bit about how, how Sam Hubbard's c- coming along with his overall health. He just he, he hasn't kind of looked like the same Sam Hubbard, at least in, in kind of what I've looked at on tape this year. Yeah, you know, he's getting a little older, and uh, he, they, they still play him a lot. Um, so I, I don't know if if part of it is just December where um, they they it's been kind of disappointing. Joseph Osai, their third round pick from a couple of years ago, he lost his rookie year. He was really coming on last year and he had that dumb penalty in the AFC championship game. Um, they were really counting on him this year, but he had offseason surgery on his shoulder and he's just never gotten back to full strength and they're not using him that much. Um, so it's it's kind of fallen on Sam to play more snaps than really they would like. Um but a lot of it too is he he's they always say he's one of the best run defenders uh, as far as edge guys in the league, and I think he still does a good job with that. The pass rush maybe isn't there, 
but it, it doesn't have to be when you've got Trey Hendricks on, on the other side. I mean, he's just playing like a man possessed. And um, I, I think they're, they're willing to live with maybe a little bit of, of decline in what Sam's able to do as a pass rusher, as long as he's still good against the run, because that's what they need. The run's been killing them all year. Um, and then Miles Murphy, their first round pick, uh, has really been coming on of late too, but they, they, they don't flip their ends. Um, so he's usually on the side, uh, spelling Trey Hendrickson, and then they'll use cam sample, a fourth round pick from a couple years ago to spell Hubbard when need be. But, um, you're, you're right. It's, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a down year for, for Hubbard in terms of, of pass rushing, but he's still the guy they need him to be against the run. Jay subjective question and answer. I am just curious, who would you consider the defensive MVP of this Bengals team? Is it Hendrickson? Is it Logan Wilson? Is it somebody else? Just who do you think is that one guy this team cannot afford to lose? Yeah, it's Hendrickson. Just for what we kind of just talked about, where you take him out of there, and then that—that's really—I uh, uh, don't know if I want to say anemic, but it's—it's it's an average at best pass rush. And, and he's, like I said, he's just been a man possessed. He's, he's had—he's already set his career high. He's already set the Bengals record. He's still got three games to go in terms of sacks. He's—he's um, he's, uh, had at least half a sack in, in six straight games um, last year. He did it in eleven uh, and and came within one of the NFL record. He's just consistent. He's always there. You you know, you can count on him for, for one or two, a game. And now, and he's making plays now, even when he's not sacking the quarterback, um, BJ Hill, the defensive tackle that started alongside DJ reader, he's had interceptions in each of the last two games. Uh, <laughs> there, there's only four, there's only four interior defensive linemen that have had interceptions in back-to-back games in NFL history. And he's Ooh. one of them now. Um, and they've been the direct product of of Trey Hendrickson forcing fumbles, and the one the one was ruled. We thought it was going to be a fumble. It was ruled a pass, and so either way, it was going to be a turnover. It's just a matter of does does Trey get a sack strip or does BJ get an interception? And BJ got the interception, and uh, then then last week, same thing. Pressure from Hendrickson and and Nick Mullins just threw the he ball threw right it right at him on the ground. <laughs> right yeah. I could have caught that one to be fair. Yeah, but, eight, yeah. Eight, an eighteen inch interception. <laughs> yes, exactly. And now he's lobbying for snaps on offense. <laughs> of course. Let me let me flip the question then, Jay. Who do you think is the unsung hero of that defense? The guy that does not get enough credit for the job that he does. Um, I would say Jordan Battle. He the rookie third round pick. They were kind of reluctant. This just seems like an ongoing story here, but they were reluctant to play him early. Uh they needed to see more from him um in, in terms of tackling. And they were rolling with Nick Scott, who they signed in in uh, free agency from the Rams. He'd only been a one-year starter. It was a bit of a dice roll, and it didn't work out because Nick Scott was terrible against the run. Um, and finally, they they went to Jordan Battle. It was in that Baltimore game. Uh, the Bengals got caught with 12 men on the field. Nick Scott was the 12th man. Uh, Lou Anaruma, the defense coordinator, lit him up coming off the field. He never played a snap, another snap the rest of that game. Uh, and Jordan Battle's been the guy since then, and he's been terrific. I talked earlier about the, the, the run support on the edges. He's been their best tackler. He's really brought – a level of physicality to that secondary and he makes some mistakes as a rookie would, but he's, he's really taken over and he's allowed that, that shuffle where when Dax Hill moves to cover the tight ends on third down, then Nick Scott comes in and he's the deep single high safety. And he's, he's fine in that role, as long as you're not asking him to, to come up and run support. So Jordan battle has really 
let Lou Anarumo do what he does best, which is play chess and move guys around and, and try to adjust on the fly. My last question for you, Jay, then I'll let Dave finish things out. Just a, a quick early view for the draft. Where do you think Cincinnati might go for a top position to look at next year? Is it outside corner, interior O-line, something else? I think it might be tackle, um, and it could be wide receiver. I, I, I don't see T. Higgins being here next year, um, and I don't think we're going to see Jonah Williams here. He's on his fifth-year option this year. They moved him to right tackle. He wasn't taught happy about that when they signed Orlando Brown. Um, I don't know that. They can afford either one of those guys, and and I don't know that that Jonah Williams. I mean, he's he's put on a brave face. He said all the right things. He's had his best year, but he wants to be a left tackle, and he's never going to get that chance here with Orlando Brown here. So I, I think he's gone, and there is nothing. I mean, nothing behind him. I mean, they are in bad. They've had every the same five offensive linemen have started every game this year. Uh, mm. They're one of only three teams in the league that can say that. It was the same thing. Last year, they went into the Christmas Eve game against New England, uh, riding that same incredible streak. And then starting in that game, Lael Collins went down in that game, and then Alex Kappa went down in the next game, and then Jonah Williams, they just started falling one by one. So I, I don't know that they can keep Jonah Williams this year, and they they cannot they cannot roll the dice with another second, third, fourth-round tackle. They're, they're going to have to go after an offensive tackle, I feel, in the first round. Um, cause I don't think there's money in free agency either to, to address it with what they've paid Orlando Brown, what they're going to pay Jamar Chase, what they paid Joe Burrow. That's, this is what happens when you have that franchise quarterback on that incredible deal. Um, it, you have to start making some hard decisions and I think they're okay. You mentioned corner. I think they would like to stock up there, but I think they're, they're okay. there. not to, they've, they've had great success getting those guys in the second round. So I, I think it's either a wide receiver compliment for Chase or most likely offensive tackle. Jay, you've caught, covered, uh, before I get your uh, uh, prediction for the game and all, you've covered the AFC North and obviously the Bengals for a long time. Uh, from, from 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 the outside, I mean, you obviously know what the Steelers are about and all like that. What is what is your outsider kind of view on, on the Steelers right now? You know, a lot of talk right now, obviously coming off of the George Pickens uh, thing last week and, and Mike Tomlin and culture and, and all like that. What, what, what's your thoughts on the organization and Mike Tomlin? And uh, do you, do you give any credence that the Steelers would consider uh, moving on from Tomlin in, in, in one way or the other, either, you know, letting them go or trading them or, or, or along those lines? I mean, I think they'd be insane too, but th- it this is what happens in the league. I mean, you look, you know, Marvin Lewis w- did things that no Bengals coach had done before, but it just it gets stale at a point. It, it, it's almost like it's not like you're making a change just for the sake of making change, but but sometimes you you need that infusion. I don't know that Tomlin's there yet. Tomlin's had far more success success than Marvin did, but it is curious. Like you just don't see that from Steelers teams that you know what Pickens doing with the loafing and then saying you didn't want to block because he didn't get hurt I mean that's if you if you told me a wide receiver said that <laughs> and I and I rank I power ranked the teams that that guy played for the Steelers would be 32 of 32 I, I just it, it it I don't know if it how how much that is seeping into the overall culture but you know you don't have the the Ben Roethlisberger. Now you got T.J. Watt. You got guys that are incredible leaders on the defensive side. But somebody needs to to kind of take that offense by the throat and and say this isn't Steelers football. And and I'm not just talking about the scheme, but just the attitude and the physicality. It's like 
that doesn't look like Pittsburgh football, what we're seeing there. You think they move on from him? If you were to bet right now? I don't know. I, it, it's a great question. Um, I wouldn't, but, you know, not being close enough to it, I I, I guess we, we see, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him go 3-0 and down the stretch. That's just what Tomlin does. When when their back's against the wall, they they find ways. I mean, you guys are well aware he's never had a losing season, but he has had losing records in December, and they find a way to, to play well at the end of the year. So I, I think these last three games will really tell a lot. If they go in the tank and this ends up being a six-game losing streak, then yeah, maybe, maybe they do move on. But if they right the ship and – and get to 10 and seven. And even if they don't make the playoffs, if they're right there at the cusp and they win three in a row to, to end the year, I, I think you got to bring him back. All right. Uh, what you got Jay, before you head out to, for, for the drive to Pittsburgh uh, today, uh, both these teams need this game. Uh, yeah. the, the, the Steelers obviously are not officially eliminated if they lose it, but boy, it gets a lot tougher than it already is now. Uh, this game back in Pittsburgh. Uh, what do you have as far as a prediction on this one? Yeah, I think points are going to be at a premium. Um, I I I, did, I said the, this on my R podcast, and I'll stick with it here. I'm I'm, I'm going Bengals twenty to ten. Um, I just I don't I don't know how Pittsburgh can score without getting a defensive score, which is very possible. But I just I don't know uh, the the quarterback situation seems like it's too much to overcome especially when when you've got a guy like like Mason Rudolph stepping in it's one thing if he's got everybody clicking playing hard around him but we just talked about that's not the case they've got some issues with pickings and so I I just I feel like this as I said earlier going to be a slugfest an AFC North December game low scoring and I just think I've seen enough from Jake Browning that that I think they the Bengals can get to 17 or 20 points and and I think that'll be enough to win the game all right, tell the people what you got going on over at Pro Football Network and uh, best concert you ever seen being your concert addict and what's the best thing on an Arby's menu? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I'm an old school. I just like the regular classic roast, roast beef sandwiches, uh, but I will say the best thing on the Arby's menu is the jalapeno poppers. I get those at a lot. Anytime you see those in appetizers at a restaurant, that's my go-to. And for a fast food place, those are fantastic. Um Man, best concert. That's that's tough. I've seen so many. I, we, my wife and I hit twenty this year. Oh um, wow! Yeah. So now we've already got a few lined up for for next year. Um, man, you know what? I'm I'm a hard rock guy, but I went by myself to Indianapolis to see Luke Combs um, in April, and it was incredible. Now, part of it's because I I got the early, I got in the front row, and and. But that one, that was probably the best one I've ever seen. Um, and as far as at Pro Football Network, I've got a story up right now on all the all the playoff possibilities for the Bengals, who they need to be rooting for beyond, who Bengal fans need to be rooting for beyond the Bengals. Uh, should be big Texans fans, big anti-Broncos fans. Um, and then I've got a story up as well about what they do with Jamar Chase out, what, what this okay. could look like with uh, T. Higgins kind of moving into the alpha role. Well, Jay, we certainly uh, enjoyed having you on twice uh, uh, this year. Uh, people can follow Jay on Twitter slash X at 
by Jay Morrison. We'll have that in the description of the uh, podcast episode. Uh, Jay, have a safe trip. Uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, appreciate having you on. Maybe we'll hook up with you during the off season here to talk about some pre-draft stuff on top of it back on a podcast episode as well. But uh, as always, thanks for joining uh, Alex and myself on the Terrible Podcast. Hey, maybe both these teams sneak in as upset as wild cards and they both pull upsets and maybe maybe there'll be a third meeting in the playoffs. Who knows? But thanks for having me on. Merry Christmas, guys. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Jay Morrison for taking some time around the holidays before he travels out to Pittsburgh for Saturday. Be sure to follow Jay on Twitter at by Jay Morrison. Check out his work at Pro Football Network. Dave, always good to have Jay on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And probably going to try to have him on during the offseason. And uh, we already got some of his thoughts during that interview about uh, some directions he could see the Bengals going in in in, in the draft there. And uh, he's obviously covered the AFC North and the Bengals for a long time. So uh, appreciate having him on and kind of got him at short notice as well, too. So uh, as always, a few of you are really, really good about this and we appreciate it. Uh, let these guys know that they're heard on the podcast, please. Uh, if you get a moment, if you if you partake on on Twitter slash X, uh, get on there to uh, buy Jay Morrison and and just thank him and wish him happy holidays and and let him know that you appreciate hearing him on the podcast. Yeah, please do. I'd really appreciate that. Your favorite concert, Dave, or maybe a recent concert you've gone to. His was a, a recent Luke Combs. What, what what say you? Oh yeah, it won't be country. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, there's way too many on that list, Alex, uh, uh, that I remember and don't remember. Uh, <laughs> probably more than don't remember. But, you know, right after I moved out to uh, Las Vegas here, Iron Maiden came through again. Uh, it was a, a, a very entertaining show out here in Las Vegas. Uh, grew up a huge Kiss fan, obviously. So I've seen Kiss more than I've seen any 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 band uh, out there. But uh I've, 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 I've experienced some, you know, there was a, there was a show and it, 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 it probably doesn't rank up there with our listeners, but there was a show, I don't know what, back in the late eighties, early nineties, this was after David Lee Roth uh, was, was on his solo tour. Uh, Cinderella opened up for David Lee Roth, uh, one time on a show that I saw, uh, and man, what a great show that was. Uh, I remember just being, you know, cause, uh, both, the band and David Lee Roth were really into it. Uh, I was pretty tuckered out from that one. Uh, one of the uh, early shows in my life that I saw uh, was uh, Saga Girls School. Uh, our Girls School was the opener. Uh, Saga was the middle uh, band and then Quiet Riot. This is right after Quiet Riot started to uh, get big, would come on, feel the noise and all like that. Uh, that was a very entertaining show. Uh, I've seen Ozzy live a couple of times, several times, wore me out. Uh, Dio, Ronnie James Dio, mm. back when he was alive. Man, I was a huge Dio fan uh, growing up. Uh, man, I could write you a book about some of the shows uh, that I've seen. And they're, they're, they're you know... Uh, I've seen a lot of them. <laughs> okay. Well, you got to write that book someday because yeah. uh, the, the, you got some stories there that I'd like to hear some more of. But Dave, let's you and I preview this game between the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are sitting at now 7-7, seven and seven, riding that three-game losing streak against the Jake Browning-led Bengals. And as you think you kind of framed it well with Jay, it's a much different Browning-Bengals team than we saw in Week 12. Browning making his first start against Pittsburgh, then struggling Pittsburgh getting a 16-10 win. And since then... 
Cincinnati has really found their groove offensively. They scored 27 points in their last three games. They've won their last three games with Browning at the helm, uh, despite injury, despite no chase in this game. To me, this Bengals offense is still a potent one that can put up points. Well, would you know that Jay, I mean, that uh, uh, Browning is a backup uh, quarterback based on uh, the, 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 the tape that you watched since last Steelers game. And I think Jay made an interesting point there, too. You know how little they ran in that first game. Uh, overall, and that, that ended up being a huge detriment. I know uh, Zach Taylor took a kind of a lot of heat of, of, of for that. Uh, he is real, re- really comfortable in that offense now. I think the thing that really sticks out, uh, as, as we mentioned in that interview as well, too, is they're, uh, they're using the backs out of the backfield in the passing game. They've got some explosive plays with the, uh, with the Chase Brown kid. They'll throw to both Ba- uh, both running backs, they do things that uh, uh, the Steelers only wish they could do in 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 the screen game right now. So I think that's a component of it. He's really really comfortable throwing to the middle areas of the field. Uh, he just missed one to Charlie Jones that would uh, uh, would have been a hell of a highlight. I'm kind of what I kind of view as a, a blown coverage in that you don't get many looks at, at things like that. He just did throw it out of reach to Charlie Jones, but he is spraying the football around quite a bit. Yes, they will miss Jamar Chase uh, overall in this, but T. Higgins is a guy that you can, you wish the Steelers would do more of that with George Pickens, right? Kind of just let your guy try to make a play, and T. Higgins has done that uh, quite a bit, but uh, my overall takeaway is he he looks very, very comfortable in that offense and prop to Zach Taylor and that coaching staff for making whatever tweaks they need to do to 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 make that show up on tape. They've really gotten some guys to step up late in the season. One of them being T. Higgins, who was a more established player. He's probably going to get paid decently well in free agency. But, you know, he had struggled, as Jay mentioned, early in the season, had a hamstring injury. I think he had some drops, but really came on big against the, the Vikings, including the touchdown you referenced him stretching out and just a, an incredible play overall. But other guys, Chase Brown, as you said, the rookie running back, the speedster, screen game, toss game. Uh, he's, he can make some some big plays there. He has the second fastest speed of any player on a single play this season. I think he had 22 miles per hour on that screen pass. He took for a touchdown against the Colts. So um, this dude has legitimate speed, both time speed and on field speed. And then a guy like Tanner Hudson, who I asked Jay about, uh, you know, unknown guy for many years, having a big season right now, and he's kind of gotten consistently involved. Pittsburgh struggles with tight ends. You imagine Hudson will be. Uh, targeted quite a bit, especially with Chase being out. So overall, it's a pretty fundamental offense. They have been more committed to the running game, of course, post-Borough. They've had uh, six of their 10 rushing touchdowns this season have come, I think, the last three, four weeks. And Joe Mixon been good in short yardage. And then Brown's become a complement to that. They have a second running back that they can employ, and, and it's a different skill set, which is uh, important for them. So this offense will, miss, will obviously miss Chase a lot, though, in terms of just his talent, his versatility, aligning him all over the field that's going to be a big thing that they really cannot replicate. Yeah, they'll take Joe Mixon now and kind of uh, focus him on, on, on mostly on those interior uh, zone and gap uh, runs, and then they'll run the tosses and stuff to the outside with Chase, but Chase can run inside uh, if need be. Uh, that guy, and look, they'll go empty and they'll move those uh, running backs out in space too, right? Yeah, they put they run a lot of empty and and they run you know smash concepts and they they try to make a lot of triangle reads for Browning. I don't think they're making life particularly tough on him, which is smart. That's what you want to do for a, a young quarterback, even one playing as well as he is. He's probably playing as well as he is in part due to 
uh, the system and, and the scheme and kind of making the reads relatively easy on him. And he's a guy that can't extend the play. I mean, he did that against Pittsburgh. He's He's got enough mobility and kind of enough size and strength to, you know, shrug off some blitzers against Pittsburgh. You know, Shandon Sullivan's coming in on that nickel blitz, free shot. He can't take him down. So that's a guy that can extend the play to some degree. And so you better be ready to plaster and uh, not assume the play is over within three seconds because Browning can keep things going. Right. But the biggest uh, drawback with Browning, he seems to get him the most prob- problems when he holds the football a little bit too long. So you got to get in those li- almost like you did in that, uh, in that first game against them. Right. Uh, shut down. If you look, if you don't shut down this running game early, like you did last, uh, last time around and get them away from the run, it's going to be, it's going to be a long day. You know, because sure. if they if if they if they stay ahead of the chains, uh, uh, Browning can can easily manage those type situations. Uh, and with the with the Steelers, with, with the personnel uh, uh, in flux and and how we expect that to get rotated around on the defensive side of football and all, uh, are we are we going to see more cover old school Dick LeBeau cover three in this and just tackle the damn catch, shut down the run and try to tackle the catch and not get so exotic uh, this time around? I mean, there could be an element of that. I think Pittsburgh will keep things simple defensively. I, I don't know if it's going to be necessarily that. I mean, you could play some man. Your corners are healthy. And the, right. the corners are not the issue. The safeties are more of the issue. Um, what you probably won't do is some of the more post-snap rotations and trying to disguise things. It'll probably be relatively easy to read from Pittsburgh's end of things if you're Jake Browning. Uh, we're not going to try to spin the safety back last second or rotate coverages that much, if at all. My biggest concern for this game is, you know, one reason, and there's many reasons, and I don't want to sound like Mike Tomlin here blaming the defense solely, but over the the last three games, Pittsburgh has one defensive takeaway, just one over their last three games. And the Bengals are among the best in football of taking care of the football, just 12 giveaways the entire season. That's tied for the NFL's fewest, and their plus 11 turnover ratio is second in the NFL, only behind the 49ers. And so you have a, a, a Pittsburgh defense that's hurting, that's struggling to take the football away against a Bengals team that does a great job of taking care of the football. That's not a recipe that lends itself to a Pittsburgh Steelers win. Uh, let's see. In the giveaway department, however, uh, Alex, in the last four games, they have uh, four giveaways, including the Steelers game, all four of them interceptions. Yeah, that's fair. I'm trying to think about how some of those happened. Um, One of them was uh, against the Vikings. He got a, got fooled. I think uh, kind of in a kind of a trap situation on the outside. Threw it right to the uh, the Vikings player over there on the left side. Uh, I'm trying to remember a few of well, them. Thompson picked him against uh, in, in that Week 12 matchup on that big interception in that left flat. Okay, but I, I think Browning has improved things over time. I think it, like. That's not a throw he would make again in this game. Right. You know, that first start, you get some of those shitters, you make that mistake. I think you're right. I mean, obviously, you know, when you go from Burrow to Brown, the numbers have changed a bit, but just overall, I mean, it's not a tremendous number of giveaways that they've had, even with Brown there, and they've been able to find ways to win because of it. They've only fumbled the football away twice this season and have not fumbled one away since, since the game against San Francisco in the middle of the season. Yeah, they're well coached. I mean, that's that's what you can say about them. The scheme is good, and and whenever you're able to go out to backups and lose key guys like Higgins and maybe chase a little bit in the second half of that Vikings team and still win, that's when you know you're well coached to, to be able to overcome things that lesser teams, lesser coaching staffs may uh, not be able to push through. 
I don't think we're going to see them abandon the run so early the, uh, this game, right? Probably not, but it's going to be tough for them to still run the football. Pittsburgh has always played good run defense against uh, Pittsburgh or against Cincinnati. The, the Bengals traditionally with Mixon have, as you said, kind of more of a zone power game, and Pittsburgh can generally handle that, you know, especially the power game well. So can they get Brown more involved? Can they substitute? the run game for the the quick pass game, the screen game, the RPOs, the wide receiver screen game, we'll have to see. But we'll, that that's going to de- probably determine this one, how well can the Bengals run the football. All right, uh, flip it over. To the Bengals' defense, and it's been a front seven that has been struggling to stop the run throughout the season. They're tied last in yards per carry allowed, and then on top of that, you lose one of their top players on the entire defense, but certainly one of the top guys interior defense with DJ reader out for the season with a quad injury. I'm with Jay. I had my report run the ball between the tackles up the middle, uh, the replacement for reader, uh, Josh Tupo. I thought he struggled against Minnesota. I think you have to run the ball downhill straight ahead. That's the key in this one. You know, overall, uh, now obviously not a lot of games has happened since the reader injury and all, uh, uh, on runs exactly up the middle, 66 of those this season, they're allowing only 3.39 yards per carry. That's ranked second in the NFL. Now that the dynamics of all that's changed, right? With, mm-hmm. with, with, with no reader and there's not enough, uh, probably not, not enough sample size to be even worth talking about there, but everywhere else, uh, uh, as far as directionally goes, uh, if you look at left tackle, they're ranked 22nd overall. If you look at left end, they're ranked 24th overall. If you look at right guard, they're 24th overall. And right tackle, this is, this is, and, and I think I kind of highlighted directionally the way to run in that, in that first meeting against them as well, too. I, I think I said the same thing. They've got to run uh, right uh, uh, against the Bengals. Uh, regardless, they have got to try to run the football, and they've got to be successful. And if they do, they take a lot of onus off of uh, Mason Rudolph. Like to see Mason Rudolph kind of under center, uh, uh, maybe more than this team normally likes to do. Maybe do some play action off that at some point. But they have, they absolutely. We've got to come out of this game. I think uh, uh, talking about the Steelers' running game and how they just were able to continually. They got to do to the Bengals what the Colts just did to them at during a stretch in this game. And they did it in week 12. They ran for, what, 150-something yards against the Bengals, and Najee Harris and Jalen Warren averaged 5.2 yards per carry. So the run game has faltered dramatically the last two weeks, but they just had a a month ago a great rushing performance against Cincinnati, who is now without one of their top run stuffers in Reader. So you have no excuse to run the ball well. And, And yeah, it may not be literally up the middle, but again, between the tackles, over guard, left, right. Uh, power runs, whatever the case is, but I, I wouldn't put the ball in the perimeter too much because our linebackers are good. They fast flow and uh, they got some you know, secondary support in Hill and Hilton and those types of things. So I imagine you're going to see some of those five, one and five, two fronts. Uh, the Bengals have you know been running fairly commonly. It's become, you know, pretty standard practice around the NFL. So can you get through that first level, hit the second level and find some daylight, but regardless of how you do it, you better run the ball effectively. You better be able to use Pat Frymuth in the passing game like you did that last time as well, too. I think they'll be a little bit more wiser to it, especially earlier in the game, because uh, did Frymuth have like uh, uh, a couple of right down right down the uh, middle of the field in the first, what was it, first quarter or something? The first uh, play of the game they hit. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then they came back to hit and Firemuth uh, uh, early in the game again as well, too. He obviously had his best game of the season. It feels like he's going to have to have you know, probably not as as big of a game as, uh, as that, but he's going to have to be involved uh, uh, again uh, in the passing game, I think, as, as a complement to the running game in this one. Sure, and can you scheme things up a bit? Because they, they have good linebackers. They can run and cover in Wilson sure. and Pratt, so it was kind of the play action that worked, and the Bengals do play a lot of cover two on early downs, and they were playing cover two on that first snap where they hit Frymuth for, I think, 24 yards, and that's kind of their personality, but I'm sure the Bengals are aware of that too, and will they change up some things? Will they do? Will they kind of present some cover two looks pre-snap and then maybe rotate post-snap to try to fool a quarterback like Mason Rudolph, who has not played a lot of football recently? Um, it's always tough to know, you know, cause you want to attack because it's, it's worked before, but you wonder, okay, the Bengals have to know they have a weakness here too. Are they going to adjust? So you're never quite sure right. that, that kind of chess match, but, but you're right. They are a cover two personality on early downs, um, on, on second, very specific, but on second and medium, second and six, second and seven, watch for cover two, but with a nickel blitz from the field, watch for a Mike Hilton blitz second and medium. Uh, they kind of run that uh, as part of their tendency, but Overall, they're kind of a base cover two team. And especially when you have your less mobile of the three quarterbacks back there now. Yeah, in terms of the blitz you're, you're talking right, about. Right, right. Right, yeah, and, and that pass rush in general. I mean, it's it's a it's a pretty solid pass rush. Hendrickson is just a monster. He's got, he's got what, 15 sacks this year? It's one behind T.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could end up leading the NFL in sacks for, for all we know. Um, if he has a couple of good outings here to, to finish out the season. So he made an impact in that first game. Uh, their pass rush elsewhere is not significant from any one guy, but they get it from different people. But Hendrickson, Hendrickson versus Dan Moore is going to be the matchup to watch. Very concerning there, especially the last several weeks with Dan Moore, right? Definitely. Uh, and and a, their, their pass defense number-wise has not been great in terms of completion percentage allowed and passing touchdowns and yards per attempt, but they have 15 interceptions. That's tied third in the NFL. So they're a group that can get after the quarterback and take the football away. So can Rudolph do the thing that Trubisky could not, which is take care of the football. And he's going to have to at some point. He says he's not going to come out and chuck it down the field first play of the game. But at some point, you're going to have to take your calculated shots. And that's what they have to be. They have to be uh, leveraged, uh, calculated shots. And, you know, uh, George is going to be wanting the ball down the field for sure. Uh, Man, can they finally... We talk about it every week. Can they finally get some of these slants involved and some of this middle of the field stuff? Man, the yards after the catch is just sickening with this team near the bottom of the league. Uh, once, once again, uh, I don't know how much of that Rams game that you watched last night, and, but man, it just seems like everybody schemes things up better than, than, than the Steelers do. Not only in using the middle of the field, but putting their wide receivers in situation. That Puka, what can you say about that Puka, mm-hmm. man? Golly. What and a you fine. were getting hot and bothered by Kevin Dotson oh, last night. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I specifically, because I had some time last night, and I had had the uh, uh, Cincinnati tape running uh, on, on the computer. and and, and But when that Rams uh, game uh, got underway, I specifically wanted to sit there and watch Kevin Dotson play in that game. And quite honestly, I probably watched uh probably 65% of those offensive snaps and focused entirely on uh Kevin Dotson and I have not seen the PFF grades even if they're up yet this morning but man Kevin Dotson's played a hell of a game over over there at right guard uh for them but the other thing that stuck out watching watching that game again uh and yeah I know it's the Saints yada yada but uh 
Uh, they just do a, such a great job of, of, of scheming guys open and, and uh, doing a good job after the catch. And, boy, Matthew Stafford, uh, for his age, is, can still sling it, still put the ball in, in pinpoint accuracy there. So, uh, Mason, this team, we talked about it. You, this team just cannot suffer turnovers no matter where they are on the field because we we've we've seen them get the ball over on downs at the opposition's one yard line right and you might as well count that as a turnover uh in those situations there so they have they cannot uh turn the football over especially on shorter fields because this Bengals offense will 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 will, will definitely make them pay for sure. And I should mention in my commentary about the lack of takeaways, they have blocked two punts, which are essentially to me turnovers and right. even more dramatic than actual defensive takeaways. But the defense itself, looking at just them, you know, to start the year, they were so good at they were feast failing. They were giving up big plays, but they were, you know, taking the ball away. They were making big plays. They got to get back to that. Uh, to pull up the uh, PFF grades, Kevin Dotson, the top ranked offensive lineman of all of okay. them last night. And if you apply his grade to week 15, that would have been the fourth best grade across all offensive linemen in the NFL. So another sterling performance last night for Kevin Dotson. And that's judging. That was me judging it off the TV tape, which is, you know, obviously you much rather have the all 22 uh, today. It, it was that impressive just off of the TV tape. So, hey, kudos to him, man. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and shame on the Steelers for letting them get away. You know, uh, as far as explosive plays go, the Steelers, uh, last week, I think what we say had one the week before that they had what three against the Patriots, uh, the week before that against the Cardinals, they had one. Is it just the one, uh, they had three, three. Uh, again there. So they uh, three, three, one. And what was the game uh, before that? It was the, It was the Bengals, right? And they mm-hmm. had, I mean, they have against the Bengals in that like one. A couple, 400-yard game, the first. Uh, the they had five of them in that game. I'm sorry, six of them in that game. Uh, they had, uh, and a couple of them were on the ground too. They had, uh, Najee had a 22-yard run. Uh, he also had a 20-yard run. They had the two long ones to Pat Fryermuth down the middle of the field. Uh, they had the deep one left uh, to George Pickens for 43 yards. And they had Deontay Johnson, a deep one down the right side. Remember that one? He dumped uh, right in the bucket right in front of Mika mm-hmm. Fitzpatrick on, on, on the sideline there. It feels like we need another four or five from this offense in this game with a couple of them on, sure. on, on, on the ground especially with how bad this team has been on third down, even in manageable third down oh. situations. And, and to go back to that, my last point for the Bengals defense, it's not new. You saw it back in week 12, but on third and long situations, they're going to bring a lot of pressure looks, at least simulated pressure. They're going to put every guy in the a gap. They're going to mug. They're going to show these really intense kind of Brian Flores, like blitzes uh, and they will drop out. They usually play zone on this and usually drop out at D tackle or something. But how do you handle the chaos of you have, you know, eight guys at the line of scrimmage. You don't know who's rushing. You don't know who's dropping. You got to know where your hot receivers at. You can be able to communicate this stuff well. Um, they really kind of present some chaos looks. And so can Mason Rudolph be able to sort through that, especially with him lacking mobility? That ball is going to have to probably come out pretty quickly because there's likely to be a free rusher. That's the intent of what the Bengals are trying to do. So third down, how do you handle those creepers or those simulated pressure looks the Bengals like to give that, again, is becoming pretty popular on the NFL? That's going to be a big 
big test and big task. Mason Rudolph has has some wins against the Bengals. Yeah, what was the article we wrote earlier this week? His most complete game uh, in his career came against the Bengals back in, was that 2019, it's I guess it would have been, been? Obviously been a while ago and all like that. Uh, another thing, penalties, Alex. Penalties, 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 penalties. Yeah, you can't have nine or eight for 101 yards. I mean, this stuff is, is killer. I mean, Pittsburgh is beating themselves as well as the opponent is beating them. So needless to say, have to clean those things up. Yeah, you can't have 10 of them beat the Bengals, that's for sure. And then field position, special teams has to be better. Harvin has to be better. Um, even Bosch, you can't miss an extra point. I mean, not that Bosch is, is a root problem here, but just those little detailed things like that all play a factor. So field position, Pittsburgh has not won it over this three-game losing streak. Um, besides getting some of that pressure on the block punts, but just in terms of you know punting average and net punting average and those types of things, it's not been good enough. We need to talk about a three-phase win. Yep. A complete game, which Pittsburgh really has not played the entire season. They need to do it on Saturday. Any other final thoughts here, Dave, on the Bengals? No, nah, just run the, run the damn rock, man. Run, run the rock, stop the rock. Listen, that Bill Cower interview, that's mm. what you go going full Yinzer, but they need to. Oh, it's fun, <laughs> fun to hear him. Accent. <laughs> fun to hear that Yinzer come out and Bill Cower during <laughs> down, 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 uh, downhill. Yeah, uh, he, even he caught himself there as yeah. he was talking, kind of getting that Yinzer mode, talking to uh, the, the Yinzers there with McAfee. All right, Dave, uh, before we get to our picks for Week 16 and, of course, the Steelers-Bengals game, I want to know what direction you're going. I don't know who you're picking here in this one, but before we do that, Let's hear from our friends over at my bookie. Alex, it's Christmas time. If you found a $100 bill on the ground, you wouldn't walk past it. So don't pass up a chance at easy cash with my bookie. My bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. So you can turn that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Christmas cash. Bet on the NFL, the college bowl games, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments that my bookie has if you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action what are you waiting for the time is right now make your winning move today sign up at my bookie use promo code terrible that's promo code terrible and claim your deposit match redeemable up to one thousand dollars again go to mybookie.ag use promo code terrible to claim your bonus experience the thrill of sports betting right from the comfort of your own home bet anything anytime anywhere with the fine folks at mybookie at mybookie.ag all right dave we are both one and oh to start Ooh. the week the rams getting the win over the saints last night looking great on offense so let's keep that streak going let's make our week 16 picks all right, uh, let's see. Also on Saturday, after the Steelers play the Bengals, you have the Buffalo Bills at the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, the Steelers really will be rude. Or, let's be honest here. Who's, 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 who's scoreboard watching this week? Yeah, but, go east and stick. Yeah, yeah, especially when it comes to this game. It'd be helpful if the Chargers pulled one out of there. You know what? But Chargers hosting the Bills. Uh, Bills minus 12 and a half in this game. Yeah, I got to go with the Bills on this one, Dave. Yeah, it's hard to imagine, you know, obviously having a coaching change there in Los Angeles and 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 uh, Easton Stickett quarterback. Uh, I'll take the Bills cover that 12 and a half uh, there. 
Indi- another game uh, that if you're scoreboard watching, the Indianapolis Colts go on the road to play the Atlanta Falcons, who have a uh, who is a Heineke, I think, uh, going going to start for them right uh, mm-hmm. this week. Uh, this is not a misprint. Falcons at home favored by two and a half over to How Colts. are the Falcons favored? Hey, you got me, brother. Here? There's I sm- uh, I smell a rat. This is a rat. This is a rat here. <laughs> well, I'm taking the Colts. Yeah, it's it's it something stinks here, but uh if those same Colts showed up that that played the played the Steelers, it shouldn't be an issue here. I gotta take the Colts plus that two and a half points. Minnesota Vikings at home against the Detroit Lions. The Lions on the road, favored by three points. Only three, yeah. Um I know it's a road game for them, but they're rolling right now. And yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Detroit. I'm going to hold your hand, walk with you on this one as well, too. I'll have the Lions lay the three points. Uh, A game that you wish both teams could lose. The Houston Texans are hosting the Cleveland Browns. The Browns and and Joe Flacco are three-point road favorites against the Texans, who will be without Stroud again. I believe so. So it's Joe Flacco and Case Keenum to help determine some playoff stuff, not things you would expect. You know, when the season began, uh, kudos to the Texans and D'Amico Ryans for getting that win against Tennessee to kind of gut that one out. Uh, I know the Browns defense still hurting, but they're finding ways to win. The Browns defense is going to do enough to overwhelm Keenum with Garrett and company, although Garrett and Tunsil should be a great matchup. But give me the Browns. I'll walk with you on this one. Give me the Browns later three points. The Seattle Seahawks coming off of a big, big win against the Eagles the other night. Go on the road, trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, Laying three against the Tennessee Titans on the road. Do we know the status of Geno Smith? Is he a go in this one? I don't know for sure. I think he's going to be back this week, though. Okay. Um, I assume we'll be back for next week against Pittsburgh. But either way, I will take Seattle. I'll take Seattle as well, too. Uh, let's see. Green Bay Pack uh, laid the three points in that. Uh, Green Bay Packers on the road against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Packers laying five on the road. Uh, Panthers got a win. They, uh, you know, kudos to them for that. I mean, the Packers have kind of struggled a bit recently. Can the Panthers at least cover? Nah, I'll still stick with Green Bay. Yeah, another one I'm going to go with you. We're, we're matching up uh, hand-in-hand here. I'll take the Packers late to five on the road. Let's see if we differ on this one. The Jaguars on the road against the Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield's playing some good ball right now. Uh, uh, the Buccaneers obviously still in the running to 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 win that division. Buccaneers at home. The Steers could use a Buccaneers uh, mm-hmm. uh, win in this one. Buc- Bucks are laying two and a half points against the Jaguars at home. I'll say they get it. No one's really talked about Tampa Bay um, and Baker's having, you said, a solid season. That defense is decent. I'll go Tampa Bay. Man, the Jaguars have been in a tailspin, right? Uh, Peterson's got to get them back on track. I think the Jaguars win this one on the road, so give me those two and a half points. I'll go different from you on this one. A pick em game. The Miami Dolphins are hosting the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, pick em. Mm, this one's tough. It's what is this in Miami or in it's my in Miami. I think Dallas has really been bad on the road this year, Mm -hmm. haven't they? They've had some struggles. So for that, I'll go Miami. I'll go Dallas to straighten this one out. Give me Dallas in the pick. I'll go opposite with you on this one. The Chicago Bears are hosting the Arizona Cardinals, a game no, not many people will be watching. Uh, the Bears are four point home favorites in this one. Just missed knocking off 
the uh, Browns on a Hail Mary, or, or at least would that would have tied the game? Or no, that, that would have won the game. Yeah, that would have won it uh, there. Uh, Bears laying four at home against the Cardinals. Yeah, how does Mooney kick that one out of his own hands to to would have won the game? The Bears have fought though. I mean, despite their issues and felt like Eberflus was you know hundred percent going to be fired, still probably will get fired with it. But they're fighting. I'll go with the Bears. I'll go with the Cardinals in an upset on this one. Give me the four points there. Denver Broncos hosting the Patriots. The Broncos are seven point home favorites. Another game uh, scoreboard watching. If you're a Steelers fan, if you're into that. I'll take the Patriots. They're going to keep the score down. They're going to play good defense. May not win it, but they'll cover. I'll take Denver and lay the seven points opposite from you there. Kansas City Chiefs are hosting the Raiders. Uh, Chiefs, 10-point home favorites in this one. You know, I think Antonio Pierce, they're going to be scrappy. I know they're coming off that high of that that crazy one over the Chargers. They won't put up, you know, 60-something again. But I'll say the Raiders cover. I'll take the Chiefs, lay the 10 points. Uh, the Giants on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Eagles need to get back uh, going here, laying 13 and a half points at home against the Giants and uh, Tommy Cutlets. Yeah, it's a big line. Um, this one's tough. Just, you know, can the Giants cover it? I'll say the Giants find a way to cover it. I say they don't. I'll go opposite of you on this one. I'll lay the 13 and a half points with the Eagles at home. Uh, what should be a very entertaining game. The San Francisco 49ers hosting the Baltimore Ravens. This is uh, the Christmas uh, night game here. The 49ers laying five and a half against the Ravens. Super Bowl preview, do you think, Dave? It could be. It could be. 49ers I... are, boy, man, he's they're doing they got it. They got it figured out right now on both sides of the football right now. Yeah, been same in Baltimore. This can be a really good game. I don't know which one to go. Uh, I'll take. You said a, a five point line. Five and a half. Nine. Five and a half. Yeah, just five too big of a line for a game that should be a close. I'll, I'll hopefully assume it lives up to its billing and expectations. I'll say the Ravens at least cover this one. I'll go opposite you on this one. I think it's a touchdown game by the uh, Niners, so I will lay the five and a half points against the Ravens there. All right, that I don't know which way uh, you're going. I, I got a feeling I know which way you're going on this. Uh, Cincinnati Bengals on the road against the Pittsburgh Steelers. My bookie now has this line up to Bengals three-point road favorites. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a great gut feeling for this game. I know Pittsburgh is struggling in so many different ways. Um, I think Rudolph can maybe provide something to them, at least not the mistakes that Trubisky was stepping this team into. And you're right, the Bengals' run game was not effective at all in that first matchup. And I don't know how well they're going to really run the ball in this one either. I kind of go back to your school of thought here, Dave. Pittsburgh has to show it to me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to take the Bengals in this one 23-20. I'm not going to be shocked by Steelers win despite all their issues. I think there are some things to match up well. Not having Chase is obviously a huge game changer in, in Pittsburgh's benefit, but Pittsburgh just has to show me that they can win this game, you know, play a complete game. They have not done so. Uh, the Bengals are playing well with Browning. They're schematically strong. I'll hit the Bengals by three. Man, how many times have I said, if not now, win? If not now, if not this game, if not this one, win. Yeah. Uh, if this were to be termed a watershed moment for the uh, Steelers, it would be the third. It would be it'd be like Rocky Three. It's the third. It's wa- Watershed Three. Can you make a movie out of that? Watershed Three. Uh, I mean, what would be the tagline uh, 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 of that? Uh, I've gotten to the point now where I got to see it now. 
I, I think I've picked this team the last three games and, and obviously they haven't uh, won. If not now, when they're going to have to show me that they can win uh, a game like this. And uh, I'm going to pick against them. I've got this 23, 16 Bengals over Steelers. Mm. That's the first time you picked against Pittsburgh, I think in a while, right? I'm trying to think back the last time. Um, so is, is your hope is kind of run out or is it just the show me aspect? Yeah, of has yeah. To do? look, I mean, I'd like to think that, that, that Mason will be able to help them some on offense, but you know, with all the injuries on defense and you, yeah, it almost feels like you can count on a miscommunication or a blown coverage or two in this thing. The defensive line just feels like it, you know, uh, if, 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 if ran at enough, you know, uh, and, and on the field for a while, they might give up some ground in the middle of that thing. It's just, it's all aspects of it, man. The mm-hmm. inside linebacker position, uh, the, the, the Bengals would be foolish not to use their tight end and try to attack the Steelers in some situations. And, and I expect Browning to, 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 you know, be careful with the football. The Steelers are going to need a couple of takeaways. You're going to have to run for 130 yards. They're, they're not going to be able to turn the football over just so many, it feels like so many things have got the bingo cards got to get punched just perfectly for them to win. And they're going to have to show me they can do that. So that's why I'm going against them this week. Fair. I understand. I think most people probably will pick the Bengals as well, at least from Steelers fan, just based on watching the product and the results the last three games. But Pittsburgh, you know, may surprise you. And if there's a time to win, it certainly is now. All right, Dave, let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All right, Alexander Campbell writes in, uh, offensive talent. Hi, guys. Yes, we definitely do not have an offensive identity, and part of that is due to the the bad play calling we've had the last few years. But I think the bigger issue is that we just don't have talented enough offensive players. Uh, When healthy, every team in our division has multiple players who would be the best player on our offense, positional value aside. He said he goes on the list. Ravens, uh, definitely Lamar, probably Linderbaum and Andrews, Browns, Chuck. Taylor and Batonio is definitely, he says, maybe even Cooper uh, Bengals offensively, definitely Burrow and Chase. He has maybe Higgins and Orlando Brown Jr. Is there anyone on the Steelers right now who you think will rise to this level? Do we need to keep spamming offensive players early in the draft, regardless of recent suck? cost to fix this issue? Thank you guys. You're the best. Merry Christmas. He says, P.S. Uh, I spent almost 13,000 minutes listening to you guys this year, according to Spotify. God bless you. Uh, I don't think my wife has spent 13,000 minutes listening, <laughs> listening to me. Uh, this team's got offensive players. They've got talented offensive players. Uh, uh, I was listening to that bit between uh, uh, Shannon Sharp and Chad o- Ochocinco on there on their nightly show last night. And although it ended up being a lot of yelling and, and, and holler and, and all, uh, George, George, you know, Chad Ochocinco put it right. I mean, George Pickens has the talent to be a, uh, you know, top 10 wide receiver in this league. He's just, he's got to, he's got to put it all together. The, the talent with George Pickens is, I don't think, can, can be questioned, especially if he can continue to become a better route runner and do all the other little things that go along with, with, with playing position. I think Deontay Johnson is a great separator. Uh, I think he's a talented player. I think Jalen Ward's a, a talented player. Is he not? He is. Yeah. I, I, I understand the point. Does Pittsburgh have that 
clear superstar those other teams do. Maybe not, but I don't look at it as relative to the AFC North. I just look at it relative to what Pittsburgh has and what we expect them to be able to do themselves. Maybe they wouldn't be able to score more than the Bengals and the points per game, but can Pittsburgh score more than what they're scoring right now and throughout the season? Absolutely. I don't think anybody came into the season having concerns that Pittsburgh did not have enough talent in terms of those skill guys, and there were higher expectations for the offensive line to gel and improve with, say, Malu and you know, potentially Broderick Jones playing, which he is, etc. So I, I think it's a group that's underachieved, regardless of where you want to rank the talent and say this other team has better talent. That may be true, but is Pittsburgh meeting their own standard? I mean, they're scoring 16 points per game. They scored more in 2019 when they had far less talent, objectively <laughs> speaking to me. So um, I mean, how do you want to frame it? I just frame it as they are underachieving with the group that they have. They should be. They need to be scoring more than they have. And they've not had some sort of incredible long season injury where they've lost their star player for the entire year that, you know, has a reason for the low output like 2019 and Ben. So to me, they have underachieved and uh, been way under expectation. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too, too deep because the, the likeliness of it happening. But I just want to throw it out there just in case. Stranger things have happened. What if uh, Mason Rudolph comes out and, you know, 70% completion percentage, pushes the football down the field, uh, some doesn't turn the football over, puts the ball in the end zone a couple times, see the score, uh, 25 or more points in this game. Uh, it's a, it, it's a very good off overall offensive performance that not that gets the W and looks good on tape. What do you do? What do you do against Seattle? If, yeah, I've had that if, thought. If, if, if Kenny Pickett's healthy enough. My pretty confident opinion is um, what the team will do, at least once Kenny Pickett is cleared to play, he will start. So he will start against the Seahawks, regardless of what Mason Rudolph does or does not do on Saturday. I mean, I guess that'd be a good problem to have, meaning yet that the offense came alive and they won a game. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and still in this thing. Uh there will be those conversations, though, if such a thing happens. Now, if they come out of this, you know, 16 to 14 and, you know, a lot of the same issues, which I imagine are going to crop up again and and limited explosive plays and, and all like that, you know, it's not going to be that big a talking point. But I, I do kind of wonder, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think they'd go back to pick it, but don't think that that won't be a topic of conversation, sure. right? Oh, yeah, it, it will be, but I'd be shocked if they didn't. Because, I mean, if you stick with Rudolph, you're effectively benching Pickett. Right. It becomes your storyline for the entire offseason. And what if you bench Pickett, you don't make the playoffs, Rudolph goes back into a shell and turns into a pumpkin again, and now you don't have a quarterback and he struggles and you right. have this controversy. I mean, it's just a whole mess, so it's not going to happen. All right, Rick has a short and sweet one here. Hey, guys, I think Pickett is wanting to get paid the wrong way. He thinks if he gets cut, becomes a free agent, he'll get paid earlier, uh, not wanting to take the work for it route. Uh, thoughts on that? Uh, look, it, it's concerning. The, the guy's just not, he's frustrated. Frustrated is the best way to describe George Pickens right now. Now, is, does he think that he's going to be able to force his way out? Uh, 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 via a, a straight out cut and then thus be able to sign a more lucrative contract deal that way. I, I tell you what will happen if, if, if to me, unless he just really goes off the rails, even worse, 
uh, they're not going to cut him. They'll just trade him and get what they can. And then that he'll still be stuck on whatever mm-hmm. remains on, on, on the rest of his rookie contract. Uh, and, and let's face it. Uh, he only has to play one more season uh, on his rookie deal before he's eligible to sign, you know, a, a uh, an extension. So I don't think they'd let him off the hook. Look, to go back to what Mike Tomlin said, it, it, it feels like this team wants to stay committed to him right now uh, as it is. So unless he really pouts and we see repeats of this in his final three games, uh, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think they're going to just try to work through this uh, with him, but uh, I don't think they would out. It would take a lot for them to outright cut him, I think. And I don't think he's trying to be cut. I think he's 22. I think he's got to grow up. I think he's going through a tough season overall. He's got to handle things better, no doubt, but I, I don't think he's got this master plan of trying to get out of Pittsburgh. To I mean, he's not, the production has not been so overwhelming. He's going to get paid you know, top five money, you know, that's not the scenario we're in. I don't mean to send you down a rabbit hole, Dave. I just want to get your opinion really quickly. Do you think the Pickens story was overdone by the media at large? Has this been focused too much in terms of Pittsburgh's problems? Because they have a bunch more problems outside of George Pickens, you know, poor effort on that one play. I feel like that's kind of maybe overtaken and swallowed up all the other issues the Steelers have right now. It was an easy target. Sure. It's a good story. I mean, it's 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 easy you know, headline to talk about, but it, I feel it, like it's, it's masked the other problems Pittsburgh is dealing with. Sure. Uh, Deontay Johnson probably thinking, man, I'm glad they're pointing the finger. At you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not, not little, or maybe he is, I don't know. It, it was an easy target when you're, what did Mike Tomlin say uh, in that press conference the other day? Uh, you better keep your damn, you know, you better do your job, keep your damn mouth shut or the vultures, you know, uh, sure. Uh, you, you're going to get, I forget the exact quote that he used there, but something like, uh, uh, the attention will be vulture-like and right. we are, you and I in our mom's basements are just as guilty, but it, it's, it was easy to go after, especially with all that bad offensive tape that you and I have to watch every week. Uh, it's easy. Do I, do I think it was justifiably, I think it was justifiably overblown. I, I do, do. You think it was overblown? I mean, I, I think it, I think it's a talking point because of what I just said. It, it, it's an easy target in all this, and it's not like we weren't talking about George Pickens' attitude ahead of that. We, in fact, sure. we said, you know, we need to stop talking before that game. We said we need to stop talking about George Pickens in this light, you know. Yeah. And then he, then he goes out and he, 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 he did what he did there. Uh, now, look, you know us and the media and everybody, we'll run it in the ground until we can't run it in the ground no more. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's unfortunate that there's been so much neg- sex sells a lot better and the negative sometimes sells uh, or a lot of times sells a lot better. Everybody and their brother is, 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 is even this late in the week. They're talking about it this morning uh, sitting here on 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 on. What am I watching here? Uh, first take right now. Uh because it's so easy to get a lot of mileage out of this right now. And sure. it's easy to parlay that into Mike Tomlin and the culture and all that. You know, you, you're getting a two for one here, you know? So it, go back to your original question. Do I feel it's overblown? Do I think it's justifiable? Yeah. Uh, is, is the media going to run with it as long as they can? Yeah. 
That's probably all fair. I mean, I guess it's less about overblown, but just over talked about. There's only to me so much that can be said. And at some point it's like, okay, we got to move on. And there are a bunch of other issues Pittsburgh's dealing with that. That's not, that's kind of been forgotten about almost. I mean, that's just kind of my view of it. Right. Nobody wants to run their listenership or viewership into the ground. And, and everybody wants to pull the eject cord, what they feel is the right, right time to say, well, look, we're done talking about that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but you don't want to be the last one out, but you don't want to be the first one out. And here we are dedicating the final five minutes of this show. <laughs> sure. I'm uh, being a little uh, hypocritical here by bringing it up, but right. I, I'm just kind of like a 24 hour guy. I'm going to talk about the story for 24 hours and then I'm kind of moving on to the next thing after 20, like in my ideal world, don't always get that. Obviously the job is the job, but I'm like 24 hours and we're moving on. Yeah, but we haven't done that on the site in this podcast. No, no. Again, I mean, that's just my ideal, how I personally, you know, would prefer things to work, but I understand it's not how things work. And then, I mean, again, at Pickens just said on his media session, hey, I screwed up. I got to do a better job. We're not probably talking about the, the media is not talking about this as much to the degree they're talking about it now. It was the play and then the follow up on the comments it really wasn't until the comments he made that the national media kind of picked up with the story and really began to ram with it. Yeah, he made it worse by what he what he said versus what he should have said. All right. right. Again, Deontay, he had a miserable play equally, but he owned it. He, he accepted full responsibility and and we all kind of moved on from there. That That's the path to take. Let's hope we're not talking about him in a negative light on Monday. Let's just leave it at that. All right. Okay. Uh, Dan Devlin writes in, hello, gentlemen. I pray all is well or as well as can be expected. Can So can you explain why the loss of the top linebackers has caused total collapse of the D? Is this all uh, communication related? You were discussing culture identity last show. I thought I remember Mike T discussing on his pregame show earlier this season that determining an identity is not uh, good because teams can more easily prepare for you. I thought at that time that that was ridiculous comment, but it seems like he has had several comments that did not age well. Is that recency bias with me or have you noticed similar situations? I didn't like him just kind of saying, well, we are, you know, uh, we can't call us of uh, ourselves a physical, uh, what was the buzzword, uh, earlier in the year? Uh, uh, oh, I can't remember something ball, phrase. uh, Bully ball was it? Bully, bully ball? ball, bully ball. Yeah, he tried to distance himself. Look, yeah, a lot of things haven't aged well with Mike Tomlin <laughs> coming 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 out of his mouth uh, this year. I uh, look, a lot of people are going to be talking culture and identity with this team for the rest of the season, unless we start seeing something that resembles culture and identity, plain and simple. So we'll just that's being beat to death right now in the media. Uh, right now as it is trying to define culture and if the Steelers lost the Steelers way, th- those are all the buzzwords that are con- going to continue to be, be talked about. Uh, uh, I didn't like the way he kind of handled determining the identity to ki- kind of what Dan's referencing earlier in the year, but that that's so many weeks ago. Now uh, they mm-hmm. just need to win a damn game now yeah. uh, and, and not have their effort question along the process. Uh, Alex, can you explain why the loss of the top linebackers has caused total collapse of the D is this all communication related? It's a big part of it. I mean, there's just uh, any time that your uh, your starters are kind of working on, you know, fourth, fifth string options, playing D, E, F type options, you're going to feel that in some pretty significant ways. And when it affects communication, when it affects 
schematically what you can or really can't do. You may limit things, may not be able to do certain things because you're worried about the communication. There really is a domino effect to that in a lot of ways, not just communicating the call, but what calls you can try to communicate. There's there's a big aspect and, and kind of hidden element to that. So um, I think that's probably a, a large reason for those issues. And, and plus, Pittsburgh asks as much from their inside backers as any team in football. They got to communicate. They got to play the run. They got to blitz. They got to cover. They got to do everything. Um, that's why they've you know wanted a Ryan Chazier, a guy that could could do it all. And, and they had success whenever he was healthy before his injury. So when you when you lose those guys and um, you're for all those reasons I mentioned, I think you really kind of feel the mounting weight and the toll that losing you know, Holcomb and Alexander has on this team. All right. Well explained. Uh, Michael Moore writes in, instead of asking what has happened over the last three, really five games, should we be asking uh, how six and three happened? If the title of the story for the first half was sustaining the unsustainable, then the title for the second uh, half has to be the regression to the norm. He asked, uh, I built, he says, I built a simple linear regression model, uh, blah, 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 using the last three seasons of data that predicts expected wins for each team. Uh, why don't you and Alex pause here and guess how many expected wins the 2023 Steelers have and how many teams are below them? I don't have time. We don't have time to do that. But he says, OK, the answer is through 14 games, the Steelers expected win total is 2.78, according to his model. Uh, there are five teams below them, Tennessee, Carolina, New England, the Giants and the Jets. And the only team with more wins than expected than Pittsburgh. 4.22 is the Jets at 4.26. In other words, the Steelers team has no business having won seven games. This is a team based on what they've done on the field this year and nothing else that should have two to three wins and should finish the season as a three and 14 football team drafting in the top six. He writes, I don't think uh, what we've seen over the past month and a half is any worse than what we saw the first 10 weeks, they've just stopped magically pulling wins out of thin air. Look, we talked about those. There's been a lot of ugly football that we've we've watched this year, right, Alex? And even the post-Mac Canada, not a lot has changed here. Uh, it, does it, is it as he frames this, it went from the sustaining the unsustainable to the regression to the norm? It's hard to disagree with everything that he's written along with the model that he's, he's, he's saying he built. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're, you know, three and 14 bad based off of that model, but you know, regression to the mean and being unable to sustain when you're a team that, you know, this will be the third straight year. Pittsburgh has had a negative point differential for the season. It's tough to win when you're, when the opponent on the year is scoring more than you, obviously Um, it's tough to win when you're an offense averaging, you know, even on their best day, 17 or so points per game in the NFL, even though scoring is kind of down this year compared to other seasons. So, I mean, in, in some respect, it's not a shock, but to see, you know, you, you still thought they would beat the Cardinals and the Patriots and the turnover degree, you know, the turnover spiking offensively for Pittsburgh and the way that they're beating themselves is really things you didn't expect and things that are more controllable. So from that aspect, you didn't expect them to crash this hard even if you figured seven and four and six and three, they weren't going to really challenge to be one of the top teams in the AFC It's probably a middle ground. They probably should have fell to, and they've kind of really gone through the floor instead. Right. Now they've got three games to show that they can probably sustain the unsustainable again. Right. Yeah, I guess so. 
right. Uh, let's see here. If I can get to one more here. Cameron Andrews. Tinfoil hat. Good morning, Dave and Ox. Long time, longer time listener. It's been a while since I emailed. Okay, welcome back, Cameron. Uh, question. I know it's hard to predict injuries, but should the Steelers tried to do more to keep Sutton and Edmonds this past offseason? Also, would you rather have Kenny at 70% or Mason fully healthy against the Bengals? Uh, my last tinfoil hat question, if we were to trade George this upcoming offseason, what do you think he will bring back? He says, I'm thinking a third and a fifth. Let me know. Uh, all right, let's start with the first uh, uh, portion of this. Uh, should they try to do more to keep Sutton and Edmonds? Sutton is somebody that Alex and I talked a lot about, thinking that they probably should have done a better job of doing uh, Edmonds for the sheer fact of the uh, availability aspect of him. And while not flashy, knowing what you at least going to, you could rubber stamp pretty much what you get out of him. And then now looking of, obviously you don't know how injuries are all going to play out and all like that. Uh, I'm, I'm less concerned about Edmonds than I am, uh, thinking that they should have done a better job with Sutton, but I can understand why Edmonds is being thrown into this question along with Sutton. I think the the two biggest things with Edmonds, the value that he brought is, A, you mentioned his availability. The dude just almost never missed time, and then it allowed Minka to kind of be Minka. You saw Minka have to play in the box a lot more this season. Now, of course, Fitzpatrick's season's kind of been a wash with all the injuries. It's just been a, a really tough year for him, regardless of whether or not Edmonds had been around. Um, so that's where I kind of see the value in Edmonds. And yeah, I mean, Peterson, I think has settled in. I think he's played fine after kind of a tough first month of the season. So I feel a little, not as strongly about my issue with them losing Sutton as I did in the off season in the first month of the year, but I still think they should have retained Cam Sutton. I still believe that. Uh, what about, uh, Kenny at 70% or Mason fully healthy against the Bengals? I mean, you know, I think I think you look at practice reps and Pickett didn't really get the reps this week. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with Rudolph starting. I get it. If Pickett's not all the way back, you don't want to risk maybe any further injury and things that you know, we don't want that guy having to rehab for two months after the season ends. And he's kind of got his whole offseason process delayed and screwed up. So I'm good with Rudolph starting. Yeah, I just don't know how much it's going to impact either, either way sure. <laughs> what the output would be. So uh, I guess I would lean with Alex and and just for the sheer fact, don't want to do more damage to Kenny uh, and his body more, more than anything there. Uh, as far as the George Pickens trade question, uh, Cameron, with all due respect, we've 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 George Pickens out this week uh, on the podcast. So how about ask us a little bit later uh, in the process here? Uh, all right. Uh, we got through quite a few emails here and this is going to turn into a long show with the interview and all like that. You got anything else uh, to add, Alex, any moves in any breaking news on the uh, Twitter machine? <laughs> I'm not seeing anything. Probably something will break the second we stop recording, but uh, Merry Christmas and happy holidays. We'll be back Monday and hopefully there'll be a, a win under the tree as a good gift for you and I, Dave. That would be nice to at least talk about a, a, a win and some, a little bit better football overall there. So uh, listen, uh, here we are on the 22nd. Uh, we will be back on, is Monday Christmas Day? 
Monday is Christmas Day. All right. So I guess we'll be back uh, on Christmas, right? It's uh, uh, a Christmas episode of the Terrible Podcast. But uh, until then, hope everybody, if you're out traveling and doing holiday stuff with the family and friends or whatnot, be safe. Don't drink and drive, please. Uh, we want you back uh, listening to the show on Monday. Uh, happy holidays to everybody. Uh, and look, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button, ad free version, SteedersDepot.com. Find the ad free button. Go that route. Uh, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.